What's up, everybody? This is Eve with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. For those of you who don't know, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to giving you the right health and fitness information that is both practical, actionable, and evidence-based. This is season two of the podcast, and we are so excited. We're going to have a little less interviewing. We're going to do some more topic-based discussions with myself and some of the made-to-move physical therapy and performance team. Maybe have some guest hosts out there. We are so excited for season two. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting us. If you have any questions for me or the crew, just search Healthy Charleston on Instagram or you can reach out to us directly at made to move pt.com that is the number two thanks so much see you soon what's up everybody this is eve with the healthy charleston podcast today we had to be honest one of the best instagram handles i've ever seen world's okayest athlete This was an awesome episode. It's really, really cool to have someone come on and really be transparent about their training, uh, the ups and downs, uh, how they're just figuring everything out. Um, It's pretty interesting. This is also happening amidst a lot of the coronavirus stuff. So we talk a little bit about that. But Chris is trying to run six different marathons over the course uh, there's not necessarily a time period, but he's trying to complete all of them. He's one deep, so he's really t- thinking about and taking things very seriously, and you'll see why I said that, about how to continue to run and stay healthy. So big focus here. If you're a runner, you're going to love this episode. Chris, what's up, man? Welcome to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I'm super pumped to have you here. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, man, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Uh, you know, we keep crossing paths to, you know, all the local events and whatnot. So super stoked to be able to sit down and uh, chat you guys up for a little bit. Yeah, we started going, you know, the, the pre-talk before the show, we started getting into a flow state. And so I had to say, stop, save the, save the gold, uh, you know, for, for the audio, for the audience. So that's right. You taught me something new already. And so I guess I want some uh, clarification on it. You said this is what's like a six star kind of like award or, or like so- about this. So uh, there's a racing committee called Abbott and what Abbott is, is their highest achievement is what they call a six star, a six star award or a six star runner. And essentially what that means is you have run the six world major marathons over time, not within a year or anything like that, but just over a lifetime, you know, for some people. And that's going to be New York, Chicago, Boston, Berlin, Tokyo, and London. Okay. So, uh, a lot of people right now, um, who were potentially on track for six star, maybe to even get it this year, as you know, because of the the virus, uh, the pandemic, Boston has been, uh, delayed until the fall for the first time in like 124 years, I believe. Uh, Tokyo was, they allowed Tokyo to go, but only for elite runners and no spectators. So Tokyo was very much not a postponement. It was, we're still doing it, but just for the elite, the professionals, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
so you have a lot of people uh, who had invested in hotel, invested in plane trips and all that stuff to get to Tokyo, only to find out, you know, as either sub elite runners or just people like myself, uh, novice runners, that's not happening. Wow. So that begins a whole conversation of, well, am I going to get any money back? Can I recoup some of these costs? Because let's be frank, these, these races for Abbott, they're, they're destination marathons. Unless you, you happen to live in one of those cities, but even if that's the case, that's only one that you don't really have to pay for. So uh, a life goal for me is to finish all six. So I recently did New York. Um, to get into the world major marathons, there are, it's, it's not like the Charleston Marathon, as an example, where you pay your $100 fee or whatever it is, and you show up and you race. Because these are enormous races, they're, they're important to the race standings uh, for the pro runners. There are several different ways to get in. So everybody has to pay an entry fee. Right? And it's usually pretty steep, $150 to $200 to, in some cases, $300. That's regardless. You're paying that. Two, you're either invited right, as a pro runner. Right? The Kenyans or people like Kipchoge. You, I don't know if you watch the National Geographic um, they did a piece on him, a documentary on the sub two hour marathon. Really? No, I've not checked it out. Where, where is that? Like it's actually on Disney plus. If you have oh. Disney, you have kids. So I'm sure you have Are you kidding ready me? access to Disney watched plus. Frozen 2 15 times already, bro. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. Um, but yeah, so Kipchoge's a pro runner. He ran it under two hours and there's a whole thing behind that, behind the, uh, it's, it's unofficial because it wasn't in a race. It was a controlled course. He had specially designed shoes from Nike. So there's, there's a whole other tangent about that. But so you're either invited, um, you still have to pay. You can go the charity route. Now, what the charity route is, and this is how I got into New York, there are hundreds of different charities that are given spots to these marathons. Okay. The one that I ran for in New York was a charity called Caring Kind, and they raise money for uh, dementia, Alzheimer's awareness, care, education in uh, the New York area, right? And you have to raise X amount of dollars to guarantee that spot. Here's the catch. You give them your credit card at the beginning of this. If you don't have X amount of dollars by the halfway point, whatever that goal is that they give you, they charge a card for the difference. Wow. And at the end of this period, whatever the difference is you know, between those time frames, you don't have, they charge a credit card for it. So you're on the hook regardless. What's the amount, give or take? Just curious. It was, for me, it was $3,500. Um, generally speaking, it's about $3,500 all the way up to $5,000, depending on the charity. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So you are now paying your entry fee. You have to raise money, pay your airfare hotel, all that stuff. So when you're training, marathoning or running is just shoes, right? An open space, fairly inexpensive once you overcome the initial investment of shoes, maybe some shorts, right? That aren't going to chafe, right? But when you start getting into, you know, the, the world major marathons, these destination marathons, the price gets, it gets up there. But that's why for some people like myself, I try to make it almost like a family vacation, a destination so I'm actually getting into Chicago via the third way that you can get into these races via lottery system. And it's exactly what you think it is. You sign up for the lottery, you get picked or you don't. I'm sure there's maybe a little more science behind it, but generally speaking, that's it. 
I was fortunate enough to get into Chicago via the lottery system. So Chicago is a fall run. It's October 9th this year. So I pray to God, man, that it doesn't get canceled because of this. I'm hoping it's far out enough, but um, obviously we live in very uncertain times right now, uh, especially when it comes to group gatherings like that. Yeah. Do you think so, uh, they would postpone it and honor, like if they, they're going to have to do it at some point. So would they, they redo the lottery system? You think completely? No, I think they would keep everything exactly as it is. Oh, okay. It's just like, yeah, you're not showing up October 9th. You're going to show up, uh, you know, at another date. Yeah. October feels like a safe bet or man. It's... I would think so. I think so. <laughs> but you don't know. That's a lot you of don't. Money. You don't. Of... And yeah. how about all the people here in Charleston who decided to do the bridge run? Now it's going to be in August. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's going to miserable. be brutal. I don't think they understand how hot that's going to be. I think hopefully they have a lot of medical there because that's just, that's another level of uh, humidity and heat. Listen, let me tell you. So when I was training for New York last summer, right? So you're, you're racing, you know, the majority of marathon seasons in the fall and in the wintertime and early spring for Boston. But generally speaking, it's in the fall when it's cool. Well, you have to train in the summertime. Well, you know, you know what the summer's like here in Charleston. It's oppressive. Mm-hmm. So I have a boot dryer that I bought off of Amazon. And when I would get done, I put my running shoes on the boot dryer because they would squeak and squish. It's disgusting. Your sweater. That's awesome. Me too. <laughs> well, you know, I'm running it at five in the morning and it's, Dew point 73, humidity is 94%, 84 degrees outside at 5 a.m. before the sun even comes up. Yeah, I you remember know. when I was training. That was the only way to really – you either could run in the evenings, you know, or you could run yeah. really early in the morning. I wasn't 5 a.m., but I would always – you know, this was grad school, so I think I'd wake up at like, you know, 6 or 7 and go run, yeah, two, three hours and, you know, just can't get caught at noon. No way. No, no. I mean, it's a death sentence. And it's funny because, like, working out, I work out real early in the morning. And the afternoon people in the summertime, they're like, oh, my God, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, I'm smart, buddy. I go, I don't know how you do it at 4 p.m. when it is literally 130 degrees outside. I couldn't. I'm not tough enough for that. I was like, you guys are the, are the real heroes. I can't do that. Have you already done one or this like it will? This will be my second. So I ran New York uh, this past fall. Okay. And um, let me tell you, it is, it's intoxicating. Uh, the crowd. Yeah. Um, it's very much what I would imagine being a celebrity is like, um, you, you almost chase that. It's like a drug, Sure. you know, the energy that you get from the people that's very real. So, you know, people talk about feeding off of the crowd and, and that type of thing. It is, it is very real. And I would have, I would have called BS, um, until I experienced it myself. Were you always and, a runner? Was that just something that you've always done and just now started getting longer distances or what did you? So I, I had been doing CrossFit uh, for a few years now. And, um, you know, we ran 400 meters, 800 meters kind of at a time. And uh, every now and then I would go for like a one mile run. And then uh, one day I just, I got up and I decided I was going to run the bridge for the first time, you know, here my whole life and never really run the bridge. So I did it and I was like, oh, that's not that bad. And then um, uh, a friend of mine who was a runner, uh, they were like, well, you know, we could get you ready for the uh, Charleston half. Um, I could write you a program and, you know, get you ready in about a month. So I said, sure. So I did that and I didn't die. And I couldn't walk for about three months, you know, without straying left or right. But, yeah. um, you know, after about a month or so, I was like, why not try a full, you know, start checking off that, that bucket list, you know, that fitness bucket list. 
Right. And then, you know, I started training for it and as brutal and mentally taxing as the, as the training is for it, that's really, that's where the marathon is made is in your training. And that's the marathon itself, the actual race is just a victory lap. Really. Uh, you learn a lot about yourself, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of uh, mentally, because that mental strength is not there for everybody up front. You know, some people are born with it, but it can be acquired over time. And uh, I think that's really what your training cycle is, is there for. And it's, it's a lonely sport. You're out there doing it yourself. And when it's five in the morning, you can quit at any time. You can stop running. Nobody's going to see. And nobody's going to ask you if you stopped. Mm-hmm. But you, you're the only one that's going to know that. Do you feel so like that's cathartic for you? Like, I know some people just like love this. Like, that's how I was. Like, I didn't mind running by myself. I used to run like 10 minutes. I love it. You know, it's just like, man, I could just get total quiet, you know. And just Absolutely. Get, I could solve the world's problems during that time. Absolutely. You know, so for me, I know some people are just psychopaths and they run with no music. Um, I am not like that. I need to, I need a good playlist. I need to kind of keep myself, keep my mind moving, but it's very much how I kind of deal with my own issues and, um, get into my own head for a while and then also get out of my head for a good bit. You know, we're able to kind of go on autopilots and, uh, I thoroughly enjoy it for those, for those reasons. And, um, the sense of accomplishment once you've, you know, you've, you've hit your distances or you're running your pace and you're really seeing what your body can do and what you can push yourself to do. It's an amazing feeling, you know, once you, once you've hit it. Yeah. And what then the race, uh, that's just, that's just gravy. What kind of music are you listening to? Like for me, I could only listen to, I mean, I would vary it sometimes, but I would listen to kind of like, you know, uh, it was techno at the time. Right. But now it's like EDM, but just kind of like very beat, just like yeah, absolutely. kind of like get myself in a, in a Zen. Sometimes I'd create pay, playlist. Again, this was, this is for me, this is like 2006, so it's, it's a while ago. But uh, well, yeah, what kind of stuff are you listening to? So I, my music taste spans that of a 12-year-old cheerleader all the way up to a 70-year-old man who spends his time at the Ace Hardware. Variety. So, it is it's very much a variety. So I love uh, Top 40 stuff. I love EDM. Uh, anything from like Skrillex remixes are probably my favorite for running. Um, things that are fast tempo, but I also have ACDC in there to kind of pick me up and get me going again. And, um, lots of, lots of pop, man. I, I all that bubble gum nonsense that, uh, entertained, man, just kind of like, dude, I love it. I love it all, man. I have the playlist of a 12 year old. Uh, but lots of, uh, lots of notorious B.I.G. That's a, he's my favorite. That's a staple. And Tupac, of course. But then it'll jump into Christina Aguilera and then Johnny Cash and then Nine Inch Nails and then Skrillex and then back to Snoop Dogg. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so, yeah, man, I'm all over the place, but it's carefully curated. I go so far as to, if I hear a song on the radio, I listen to the tempo of the song. Will it help me create a good cadence for my footwork? Okay. Right, so I also look at that. And then I'll trial it out. If I go for like a quick 5K or 10K or something, I'll, I'll cue the music up and it's either my feet like it or they don't. And if they do, it stays. If they don't, it goes. Exactly. Right. No matter if my heart likes it, it's right. a different story. But if my feet like it, then it stays. That's a good segue to kind of like um, 
talk a little bit about what your training regimen is like, and even just like how you plan to kind of stay healthy, right? That's, I mean, even in a lifetime, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're not going to take 50 years to do this, right? But like, how are you going to keep yourself healthy? And, and again, what's your, what's your training look like? So uh, training is, is brutal, but we'll kind of, let me back up for a moment. So training for me, it's more than just running. So I don't know if you, well, you guys, uh, you probably know Catherine Adele. Yeah. She, yeah, so, you know, Catherine is my nutritionist. Um, she's my food Nazi, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. So Catherine and I, we got together and we put together a good nutrition plan because, so I'm six foot. Generally, when I'm kind of in a strength training cycle, which off season, which I am now, I bounce between 155 to 160 pounds. I'm pretty thin. Yep. But when I start running, I need, right now I'm at about 3,000 to 3,500 calories a day. When I start running, she has it dialed into these days, this is your caloric intake. These days we're going to add more fats. These days we're going to add more protein, less fats. She's very intelligent when it comes to that type of thing. She's also a runner, so she understands. So on a Saturday, I may eat different things because those are my long run days versus what I may eat on a rest day. Dude, those meals on long run days were the best meals. So I've told this story before, but um, when Catherine and I sat down, it's kind of a funny story. We're sitting there and she says, she's asking me what I kind of normally eat throughout the day. And I tell her, and she's like, what do you eat as a snack at night? And um, I'm like, well, cereal. And she's like, okay, what kind of cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And she's like, looks at me. And I just, I kind of look at her. She's like, you're not kidding. And I was like, no, it's amazing. Have you ever tried? It's amazing. (laughs) And she's like, no, you can't eat that. And I'm like, okay, what can I eat? She's like, well, do you like shredded wheat? And I was like, no, who likes shredded wheat? That's gross. (laughs) <laughs> so we, we find a kind of a happy medium, but then our segue goes into long run days. And she says, what are you eating after your long runs? I'm like, donuts. I was like, Krispy Kreme or duck donuts. I don't know, maybe six or maybe I might stop off at Chick-fil-A and get a, uh, a grilled chicken egg white sandwich in addition to the donuts. And then I'll chase it all down with a Gatorade endurance. And then later on in the day, I'll probably have a hamburger or pizza or something like that. And she just gives me this death stare right? and just starts shaking her head. No, <laughs> you can't eat like a 12 year old unsupervised child at a birthday party anymore. Chris, like, if you really want to be smart, if you really want to perform like you, you can't. And it broke, like it broke my heart. Like I felt like I was having a heart attack at that moment when she told me I couldn't eat a half dozen Doug donuts, you know, or Krispy Kremes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought for a brief moment about pitching a fit when she told me that, like a child. But I refrained because, let's be honest, I'm, a, I'm 42 years old and I have a 401k and a pension. I have to act like I, I have to act like it sometimes. So, so the nutrition is big. Uh, my long run days, uh, it's a lot of stuff. You know, it's cold pressed orange juice it's fats from nuts it's you can it's dense carbs it's lots of broccoli and lean proteins and all that stuff you're constantly eating constantly eating constantly eating have you noticed a big difference ever since you like when did you switch to this kind of i started when did i start seeing Catherine? uh late summer before i was probably a maybe 12 weeks out from new york when i was running and I really kind of had to have that come to Jesus moment with myself in that, okay, like you're really serious about this, like take it serious because I'm a pretty laid back 
maybe a little too laid back in a lot of things. And I said, okay, like you really need to like dial it in and be smart. You know, don't, don't be dumb because you're going to end up injuring yourself or worse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I met with her and we really, you know, we dialed it in. So every day I even have reminders on my phone that come across on my watch, eat this at this time of day, eat this at this time of day, so on and so forth. So, you know, you would think as much as I eat, man, you would swear I could be, I should be 250 pounds of raw muscle, you know, but when you're running that much, you know, especially in the summertime, you're just, you know, it's just kind of to maintain it. But I noticed a huge difference in my splits. So, you know, my times per mile were actually, I was getting faster. Uh, my legs were getting stronger. So that, that will segue into my strength program. So once I dialed in my nutrition, I had to get stronger because I don't see the Kenyans squatting. I don't see them doing overhead squats, you know, for strength. I don't, I don't see that. It's not happening. So I go to a guy named uh, Matthew Blair Davis with uh, MBD Performance. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of the strength and conditioning for Stingrays, the South Carolina Stingrays hockey team. Yeah, uh, a lot of Ironman, figure skaters, uh, that kind of thing. It's very, very intelligent um, uh, strength guy, like you guys. Um, PT, very smart with it. Yeah. And uh, so I go to him, and I had known him before. He is a, a KT tape uh, guru. Like he's the guy that teaches the guys. So he has done some tape work for me before in the past, and I trust whatever he says implicitly. So I go to him. He writes a program for me, and it's anti CrossFit in that I didn't touch a barbell for probably four months. It's banded work. Um, very, a lot of unilateral movements, um, kettlebell, one-legged RDLs, lots of stuff like that. Box step ups, weighted box step ups. Um, you know, we always joke. It's like my, my booty boot camp basically. Hmm, But in that sense, uh, it's a lot of hip strength, you know, things to help strengthen up your hips, which I never thought of before. Um, but uh, again, a very intelligent guy, and I trusted what he said, and it worked. You know, I worked his program. I worked Catherine's program. I got a guy named Brad Hudson, who is a um, – he's trained people like uh, Parker Stinson, who's like the American record holder for 25K, um, Ali Kiefer, who finished, I believe, seventh in the New York City Marathon a couple of years back. So very smart run guy. He wrote a program for me, which was brutal. So going into programming, it's, you're going to love it. It's on say Mondays we're doing, I'm waking up and doing a 5k, uh, into uh, tempo runs. So, which is like a mile slow, a mile fast, a mile slow, a mile fast. Yeah. And then say Tuesday's a rest day for running. I'm not running on Tuesday. And then Wednesday we go into a lot of repeats. So it's one mile at 90% effort three minutes rest. You know, we do four or five mile repeats there. Then you slow down a little bit, you catch your breath, and then you're doing 200 meter repeats. Say five of those, you know, maximum effort. And then you're cooling down with two miles, a two mile run, easy pace, say for me, like a nine to nine and a half minute pace is like a easy pace. Right. And then Thursday you're resting, but on the Tuesdays and the days I'm not running, I'm doing strength. Right. And then Friday, I wouldn't run. I would do more strength. And then Saturday would be my long runs. You know, and Saturdays, it's exactly what you think it is, man. It's running at a easy, at a good pace. It's comfortable. 10 miles, 15 miles, 18 miles, 22 miles, depending on the day. So as you progress into your training, obviously those, those long runs are getting longer and longer, yeah. you know, more brutal. 
and that's where the, the mental part is that's where you it becomes very taxing yeah yeah are you still are you doing any barbell work now or are you still just doing mainly the bandit and so once i finished with new york i um so i ran new york with a stress fracture in my leg in my left leg that i um got while i was training and um i do not suggest running I don't suggest walking to the end of your driveway with a stress fracture in your leg, let alone running a marathon, but I did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It hurt for sure. I will not do that again. I will not do that again. And, um, no ma'am, she is not. So, um, yeah, so I I won't do that again. Anyway. Um, I lost, I'm sorry. I lost my, uh, Oh, you're good. You're talking about the stress yeah. fracture. I asked you about barbell work. Yeah, yeah. So barbell work. So after New York, I started with comp train, which you know is um, is big with CrossFit, yeah. and it felt it felt amazing to get the barbell back in my work, uh, back in my hands. So I started doing comp train, and it's focuses on all the things that I hate: squats, front squats, back squats, uh, because you know I have like the legs of a gazelle, and um, yeah, I mean I hate it because it's it's heavy and I'm not strong down there, sure. but as you know, the things we hate are generally the things we need to work on the most. Yes, sir. That's true. Truth. Yeah. So I've been doing comp train since November and uh, all up until really last week or when this virus kind of uh, broke out because now my time at the gym is limited for our classes to only an hour. So, you know, I went back to doing um, Ronnie's programming, which is still a programming. You know, obviously I don't want to take anything away from that. It's amazing programming. Yeah. Um, but the comp train stuff was, they would go in waves, uh, you know, strength cycles, whatnot. So I could just focus on squats, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I got very strong. Like all of a sudden, man, I'm hitting PRs for myself, like seemingly like every week. So my my hope is the strength and conditioning that I've gotten through comp train is going to translate to lighter legs when I start running um, in July, basically. Yeah. Uh, when I start training from Chicago. Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of that. Looking some research, like. As far as running economy, you know, producing ground, you know, uh, force from the ground um, and doing some heavy strength work can really help a lot with that, as well as uh, reduction, um, you know, reduce the incidence of injuries, you know, not reduction, but it definitely can make it less likely. So a lot of good research out there um, for that stuff. So that's, that's cool. Like your own, it's like your own little experiment, right? You kind of nutrition. Yeah. Implements, do this, the other implements, like kind of go all around through and through, which uh, which I think is really interesting. It's it's a big theme of the podcast too. It's like you need, kind of need to find out what what works for you, and also like you know. So on top of that, there's like kind of a season for everything as well, right? And so um, you know, saying when I do more barbell work, okay, now I'm gonna do a little more. I'm gonna stay away from the barbell for a while. Oh, I'm gonna amp my running up. Okay, I'm gonna drop my running. You know, whatever whatever that may be. So yeah, it's, uh, cool to kind of hear your life cycle there. Yeah, and that's it's really it's it's really true. So, on top of the barbell work, so I, I love running just in general, and I think you know, CrossFitters hate it, and I think it's something that we need to incorporate more. So I did a, a hero wad not too long ago called Jerry, which is a one mile run, twenty five hundred meter row, or no, excuse me, two thousand meter row, and then a one mile run end cap. That is an amazing conditioning wad that honestly I think everybody should do once a week. It should be like a Wednesday wad warm up. Yeah, I did uh, Murph once a week for a year. Uh, oh. Maybe I'll do that one instead. That sounds a little bit better. Right now, I'm doing a, a I'm doing a EO3 5K once a week because uh, yeah. So it's basically a 800 meter run, 
and then three rounds of five push-ups, 10 sit-ups, 15 air squats, and you run a five quick, 5K. So three miles, really. So you just yeah. that. Uh, it's been pretty fun. I mean, the running is definitely the, uh, the hard part for that, for sure. Are you doing it with a vest? No, not well. I haven't even tried sit-ups with a vest. Can I do? Can you do sit-ups with a vest? I haven't even tried. You that. can. Yeah, you like, can. It's. I wouldn't recommend uh, GHDs because I attempted that one time and almost cut my larynx in half. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, when I, the plate falls down on you. Oh, that does not sound fun. Yeah. Not no, fun. I haven't done it with the vest yet. I, I might. I've been because I got really good with the vest. So I've just been uh, obviously with uh, a lot of us being at home right now. I'm doing yeah. a lot with the kids, and so I'll just put the vest on and, and kind of walk with them and try to keep that tolerance up, but we'll see. But no, I've got to, we're going to, we, we're training, training. We're going to be doing a half marathon in November, my wife and I. So slowly, very slowly going to start building up to that. Um, yeah. Like beginning of summer, mid-summer and start running some long distances again, which I've been kind of missing. Um, so I'm excited to tackle it. Yeah. And you know, I've started to, now we're doing more home stuff. I, so I have, when I'm just doing cycling the barbell, I'm only doing maybe three to five miles a week, right? And then now that we're kind of more home, I've been doing, I've been ratcheting that up to between six and nine miles a week. And that's, for me, that's kind of entering what I call like a maintenance mode. So where I'm working on things like my cadence. So I think my problem where I ran into injury last time was so cadence for those people who are listening, that's basically the amount of steps that you take per minute when you're running. So you want to, ideally you want to have about 170 to 180 steps per minute uh, when you're running. So shorter strides, right? For somebody like myself, with really long legs. It's difficult because when I was running before, I wasn't paying too much attention to my cadence. So the longer the stride that you make, the more impact you're putting on your on your bones and on your joints, your knees and, and everything else. Because you have that full that full force right, of your entire body, that weight is coming down. If you shorten your strides up, you're now reducing the amount of force that you're putting on your feet, on your bones and on your body. So that's something I've been struggling with and I'm trying to really pay more attention to because typically my cadence is about 150 to 155 steps a minute which is way off and something somebody who doesn't understand running or who doesn't run a lot they see they're like oh it's only 20 steps per minute that's not a lot but in actuality that's huge yeah right and that's where i believe i i think that's how i injured myself before is i wasn't paying attention to my cadence and mentally you think for somebody who's a novice runner like like myself oh well if i make longer strides i can be faster i can cover more ground well, in actuality, the longer the strides you're making, you're really messing yourself up, right? Yeah. You're opening yourself up to more injury, more force, and honestly, more effort, if you think about it. Yeah. So you're trying to stretch your legs out. So that's something that I'm really focusing on right now in kind of my maintenance mode of between six and nine miles a week of, okay, let's get your cadence up. And it's difficult. Yeah. Most people don't think about it, right? Like, uh, yeah finally becoming a thing and like slowly but surely about like the skill of running you know there's the pose running method there's a lot of different methods out there and yeah. um, i don't think there's again there's not one right one when you do kind of a deep dive in the medical research it really uh talks about what you said like there's two really big things that we know can have 
or, or at least the most potential, there's never like 100%, the most potential to actually, again, reduce the chance of, of injury. And one is cadence, right? Increasing the amount of steps per minute. And then um, the other one, which kind of happens naturally when you increase the steps per minute is where you're landing, right? So kind of like you talked about, if you're trying to create these big, huge steps and really bringing your feet out in front of you, that's not really ideal. But if you have your feet kind of below your hips and you're kind of running with that quicker cadence, that's another uh, uh, good thing as far as like, you know, dispersing the force vectors and, you know what I mean, trying to get all technical, but, you know, really making sure that, uh, you know, when you land on the ground, you know, for however many steps it takes for a marathon, right, you want that force to be in your, you know, ankles, knees, hips, everything kind of like disperse evenly. And those are really the two things that we know that can have the, the biggest impact, which is, which is really, really important. And again, what you said, I just like to reiterate it, it's just really modulating uh, training volume and then doing all the intangibles, right? Like nutrition, cross training, like, you know, uh, listening to your body, you know what I mean? Like yeah. training load is still number one, really for me, it's yeah. training, like not running or, or doing too much, like stress on your body. Sometimes it's take more than others. This is the bottom line. Yeah. And you know, and it's all these things are not sexy, right? No. People don't want to talk about it. People are talking about it. In my shoes and then become injury free. Like that's way easier yeah. or get new shoes, right? These brand new shoes. And then, then listen, I, I like shoes just as much as the ne as the next guy. But yeah. you know, like you're saying, it's like nobody, people only want to talk about how many miles and how fast you're going right? Generally speaking, when you talk with people who are running, that's what they want to talk about. Oh, how many miles did you do? What are your splits? What's your pace? Or my favorite is what's your fastest mile? Bro, you know, it takes me probably like two to three miles just to warm up, just to yeah. kind of settle in my breathing and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think the fastest mile I've ever recorded in my adult life is a 655, 653, something like that. Yeah. Right. But to put it in perspective, the guy who ran the two hour marathon, He's running four fifteen miles over twenty six. Yeah. Uh, do you ever see that video where they're on a treadmill and people are just trying to run for as long yeah. as they on the treadmill at that pace and people are making it like twenty seconds or something? Yeah. That's bananas. It's insane. I can keep that pace up for two hundred meters, maybe if yeah. I'm being chased. Right. Yeah. Right. If I'm being chased. But these are the things that I had, you know, my learning curve was enormous because like a lot of people, I just think, oh, well, just to run further, you just have to run and then start running further. Well, I had to learn about strength uh, in running. I had to learn about nutrition in running. And then I learned about, you know, running drills and hill work and, and all these things uh, because it was such a lofty goal for me. And I was going in very, I guess, I mean, I guess you could say very ignorant to, to the sport because I, you know, I know CrossFit, you know, I know kind of lifting and, and those things and the aerobic capacity that comes with that. So when I got injured, I still had every intention of still running New York, but I had to switch. I switched my entire training regimen up. So I got on the rower all the time and I was on the assault bike all the time with a cast on mm -hmm. uh, because I need to keep that aerobic capacity up. Right, right, right. I love that you said like taking it seriously, right? I feel like a lot of people just think, oh, I'm just going to run. I'm going to slowly build up and, and that's it, right? And so it's just no. that like, I think you need to do that if you really – you know, maybe you can get away with one, but you know, um, I when you're 19, you can get away with that. Yeah. And I still wouldn't recommend it. It's still going to have some toll on your body. So you might as well. Absolutely. 
through it. But if you want to be a lifelong runner, then we know that there's these kind of habits and it's, it's really cool that you're kind of reiterating all those things. Uh, and it comes with maturity, you know, just like in, in any, in any sport, right? The more, you know, the older you get, the more exposure you have to it, the more, and it also depends on what your goals are. You know, if you, if for me, a goal, my goal is to always be injury free, right? First and foremost, if possible. And two, to be able to finish the race or finish whatever the distance is. Okay. But the, the sub goals underneath that are, that's the foundation for the two main goals to be injury free and to be able to finish. So like we were talking earlier, your, nu your nutrition and um, just like in CrossFit, you start to eat right. You feel good. You work out better. You get better performance. So running is no difference. Although when you watch this, um, this documentary about Kipchoge and the two hour marathon, it, they follow him in Kenya and there's like these, I'm lack of a better word. I call them running camps or like marathon camps. And it's just a, a bunch of men and women and they're running on, you know, red dirt roads, you know, for miles and miles, but they're talking about nutrition. And these guys basically eat a loaf of bread and chase it with like an orange Fanta. Like that's it. Right. That's their nutrition. And then they go run 30 miles or, or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, it's so tough to compare that. Yeah. Right? That's an elite level, right? They've it is. been running like that, like uh, probably their entire lives conservative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The mileage. And um, it's just, again, the elite are always going to not necessarily abide by different rules, but there's just, it's just going to be some differences there for sure. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so somebody like myself, I just, you know, I want to keep my marathons under four hours, you know, ideally for me, that's a great goal to have at, you know, given my capacity, you know, my age and that kind of thing, I'm, I'm happy with anything under four hours. So I, that's really relates to me running about an eight and a half minute pace, you know, give or take, and I can run faster paces than that. But when you start to look at stretching that mileage out, um, it's taxing. And then that's where your intelligence has to really kick in and be like, okay, well, in order to achieve that, we really have to be smart and stay uninjured, stay unencumbered. Um, and, and family stress gets into that too. You know, when you talk about the mental aspect of it, um, you know, stressors at work, stress at family, um, you know, things happening at school with your little ones and you know, these things get in your, in your mental headspace, and it can really, it can, if you're not ready or prepared to deal with those things, it can hinder your performance for sure. Yeah. We like to put it this way. It's a pretty uh, good way to conceptualize it for a lot of people. Just picture this bucket and this bucket can only be so full, right? And there's certain things that can add to the bucket. We'll call it family stress, work stress, training stress. But there's also things that can kind of chip away and make your bucket maybe a little bit bigger, like better nutrition and, and things like that. So just kind of knowing that all those things can fill the bucket. So maybe if you're super stressed out at work and, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on, you're probably training volume might need to drop a little bit so you don't get injured, right? It's, just, it's not just this one thing that can cause uh, yeah. or, or cause problems for people going forward. Man, this was, uh, this was awesome. I, really, I mean, really cool stuff. Do you have any like... First of all, any parting words, maybe for somebody who's trying to tackle some marathons or, or trying to get into some more, more running, and then so we people, uh, reach you, like if they want to you know, find you or... or uh... So I try to be pretty transparent uh, online. I'm on Instagram, uh, the world's okayest athlete, 
right? Uh, I try to be as transparent as I can be with my training, things that I'm experiencing and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, parting words. We say it a lot. It's very cliche, but it could be, it could be more spot on with the truth. You have to show up. But more importantly, if you have a goal, make a plan, follow your plan, and you'll achieve the goal. It's, it's really that easy. But to get there, you have to just show up. And that's the, only, that's, that's the only advice I can give you. And be smart. Because no matter how old you are, if you're going to attempt something like a marathon, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but the first dude who ran a marathon, he died at the end. Yeah, like it's a horrible story. Right. Right. So he died at the end. So try to not do that and be smart about what you're going into, whether it's a CrossFit goal, you know, or running or something like that. If you're going to train, if you're going to take the commitment and take the time to train for something, be smart about it. Put your ego aside. And if you have to sit on the side of the road at 5 a.m. because you don't think you can do it and you have to cry and make yourself pull it together. Let it go. No shame in that. Do it. Yeah, love it, man. I appreciate that. Uh, a good theme too. I feel is like it's just take it seriously. Like that's just ringing true in my head right now. Like you know, you have serious, to. Let's just take it seriously. Let's not just make it casual. Like uh, I think it's a very, very wise advice, um, Chris. Well, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. Good stuff. Hey, well, thank you again for having me on. And um, like I said, reach out anytime you guys need anything. And uh, if I know the answer, man, I'll lie and make something up. <laughs> Love it. Thanks. Man. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the Healthy Charleston podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram, search Healthy Charleston, one word, like, follow, comment on today's episode. If you have any questions, comments, if you have possible guests that you want us to bring on, if you have any topics you want us to discuss, reach out there, send us a direct message. We would love some feedback. Also, if you get any extra time, head over to iTunes, give us a rating. Again, put comments there. We love your feedback. Have a phenomenal day.